Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sabbath School Gems, where each week we showcase key concepts from this week's Seventh-day Adventist Sabbath School lesson. Hello, everyone. This is Lesson 12 for Sabbath, September 17, for the third quarter of 2022, and it's titled Dying Like a Seed, and it's from the quarterly In the Crucible with Christ. Now, this is our second to the last lesson we're almost done with this quarterly, and we've already gone through a lot of concepts, and a lot of these concepts are repeated in this lesson, so I'm going to make this fairly short, shorter than, than last week's study, and I know it's coming out late, and I apologize for that. I do want to address some things that are mentioned in this lesson study, some ideas that I don't think are as helpful for us, and I do want to go into the, the memory text, which I think is is an important topic, and there are some important topics to bring out. So let's just start with this idea that the lesson study brings out that God has to allow us to come into these moments of suffering or these crucibles to help us realize our dependence upon him and that our power is from him. And as I said in previous gems for, th for this quarter, I don't think it's so much that God's allowing us to come into these moments or he's causing them, but I think he's using them. I think we get into these moments, let's say we say pride comes before a fall, and pride often causes us to get into predicaments, but it's not because God's causing those predicaments, but he does use them for our growth. So things can happen to us. We can come into bad times. We can have multiple bad things happen to us at, at a time. And I don't think it's God saying, well, I have to bring them into this so they can realize that their dependence on me. But I think it's more that he uses it. He comes to us. That's when we cry out to him. He's always there. But we seem to cry out to him when we're in trouble. And he uses those moments for growth for us, to teach us, to, to listen to him. But he wants to teach us all the time. He wants us to come to him all the time, even times when things are good. I just want to make that distinction because we constantly hear this. He's allowing us these problems. But the problems do not come from him. He wants us to be happy creatures and he knows that this world is dangerous and it's sad and there's a lot of things that are happening in it. He's trying to comfort us through these and I've talked about that in the previous gems. The other thing I want to say right off the bat is this idea of breaking of the spirit. It, this idea that we have to somehow be broken like a horse is broken in or our spirit has to be completely crushed and we have to uh, die of everything of ourselves and then and then somehow we become part with God. I think that's very discouraging type of idea because God made us each unique. We each have our own characteristics. We have our own temperament. We have different things that, that are just unique about us. And God does not want us to have to crush everything in every part of our being to to come in conformity to his will. It sounds very dictatorial. It sounds like a very controlling God who just wants to break us into submission so that we're just like these, these mindless sort of servants. And that's so opposite of God. It's so opposite of him and his character. And so I just want to make this distinction that it's not... It's not a breaking of the spirit and it's not even part of ourself has to die. What it really is, is a pruning. And he's, he's really trying to align our will with his so that we want the same thing as him. You know, God gives even the animals some freedom. You know, even the pets, they have their own will. 
if, if we fight them and we try to force them to do something, they go against it. Little children, if you try to force them to some, do something, they go against it. It's not a bad thing. It's not because we're just bad people. It's because God made us with a strong will. He made us with, with, our, with our freedom. If you say there's any kind of rights that he gave us, he did give us a right to make decisions for ourselves that we can do one thing or do another thing. The animals can go this direction or they can go that direction. And when they're forced, we automatically fight against it because that's how he made us. He made us to be creatures of freedom, not to be forced, and he doesn't want to force us. The way that we get animals to behave or children to behave is we convince them that, that what we want is what they want. And when we convince them of that, then all of a sudden they're doing what we want them to do. So that's what it is. It's God wanting us to want what he wants. And we want what he wants because we have a rational approach to it, that he shows us the way. He shows what's what is good, and then we desire that. So we're aligned with him in our desire. He's not forcing us to do something. We don't have to be broken and give up things so that we have to be forced into submission. So we're so demoralized and we just go, okay, I just give up. I'll, I'll do whatever you say. He's not like that. He wants us to see things the way he sees so that we'll choose the things that he wants, which are the things that are good for us, that are life for us, that are eternal life for us. Pretty soon our will is in conformance with his because it's what we want. It's our own will. It's like instead of giving up something, what we're really doing is we're gaining something. We're getting rid of the lies that Satan has told us, the, the things that we've done that are bad, that that those kind of things he wants to prune out of us, but those were not part of his creation. You know, Satan was created perfect until iniquity was found in him. And I really believe that despite, I know that a lot of pastors say this, and I know they're well-meaning and, and everything, but despite us constantly being told that we're just sinful, bad, we're born into sin, we just, we're doomed. Instead of looking at it that way, we really need to be looking at the perfection that God created us with. Yes, we have genetic defects. Yes, we come into environments that are not good and they cause us, especially as children, to react certain ways and things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about he did make our souls perfect. I really believe that. And I think he wants to bring us back to that perfection. We're in this flawed world, yes. And we are bombarded by temptations, but he wants to bring us to that perfection. And he'll create a new body someday but the soul he wants to work on now, he wants to start working on that right now. And so let's look at it from this perspective. And let's go through a few of these things about dying like a seed. So the memory text is most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls onto the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. So this text, John twelve twenty four, is bringing up this concept that something has to be, you know, if, if, if the grain just dies and it just dies in the ground, it's just, that's it, that it was just one seed. But if it dies in the sense that it germinates, now it can produce a plant that can produce many seeds. So what is this that we have to give up? And I'm going to come back to this text right now, but let me just address a few things that the lesson study brings up and it brings them up right away. And I just want to make sure that we're clear on these concepts. The first one is that we have to die to our sinful self. 
death of our sinful nature so that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. I already alluded to that, that I don't believe that we are made to be sinful. We were made to be perfect. And so God wants to prune this out. You know, Matthew 5, 29 says, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you for it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. This is that idea of pruning, of getting rid of something that's going to cause our soul to be lost, something that might seem important. It might seem as important as a right eye, but really, if it's causing sin, it's causing us to sin, to get that out of our lives. So what it really is doing is prune the body, prune our character. The disciples were not perfect. They each had different characters, but you just take Peter, for example, And when Christ said, get behind me, Satan, you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now that's harsh. Was Peter Satan? But in that instance, he was not considering the things of God. And that's what we need to get rid of. Those ideas, those thoughts, those things that Satan is causing us to want to hold on to or to think about. But that's not part of our nature. That's some things that we choose and that's something that satan is trying to convince us now the second idea is that something that was mentioned in the lesson study is giving up our rights you know giving up our equality and submitting to jesus but you know we don't really have any rights so to speak i mean god made us and he gave us life we have life and you know we're not to take other people's lives but we really need to be aligning our unique qualities for God. That's what, we're not giving up something, we're gaining something, we're realignment. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12, I'll read that. That talks about the body. So it says, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. This looks like we have to give up something because we're all going to be one, right? But it's whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not a body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole hearing where would the smelling be? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? So this is saying that we're all unique. We're all unique, but we're all to align for a singular purpose. When all members of the body are doing their function and they're all aligned with what the body wants to do, if the body wants to go to a certain location and it wants to go from point A to point B, all the body is working for that. All the mitochondrials, all producing energy, the the legs, the nerves, the arms are moving, everything, the eyes are ahead. The whole body is moving to get from point A to point B. They're all working in conjunction to get to one cause. That's what we need to think of as far as being like God. He wants us all to be aligned and working for a common good and a common purpose. It doesn't mean that we have to give up ourselves and give up any rights or not rights or whatever we have 
It's not a giving up. It's just a, a moving forward and alignment. So let's look at the third idea about dying like a seed. And the lessons that he says, it, it's like it falls to the ground. It gives up all control. It's just waiting in the darkness. It has no idea what's going on. And it's giving up everything that it's been before. There again, that's a very negative way to look at it. It's not giving up what it's always been. It's actually maximizing and realizing its full potential. I mean, what does dying like a seed really mean? What happens to a seed? Well, if a seed, if you put the seed in water and it gets moisture in the right right conditions, if it's a bad seed, it's just going to get wet and rot and disintegrate. It's not going to do anything. It's, it's truly going to die. It's just going to disintegrate because the bad bacteria are just going to eat it away. But if it's a good seed, if it has that pure core to it, if it's good and viable seed, it's going to swell and it's going to start to germinate. There's a lot of things that are going on in that, in that seed. It's not just sitting there dying and just all of a sudden it's going to metamorphize into something. There's things happening in the seed. It's, there's, there's things that are happening and, and it's, it's actually living. It's not dying. It's starting to grow. It's starting to grow and sprout. And pretty soon it sprouts. It germinates into a plant and starts growing and then that plant grows and, and matures and then that plant produces many, many, many seeds. So that's what this idea of a, a seed transforming into many seeds, and it has to give up something, but it's not really giving up something. So what is exactly happening to it? It's actually realizing its, its maximum potential. I think of Philippians 1, I'll read from verse 3. It says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in my, every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. This is what I think of it. I think is he's begun a good work in us and he wants to complete that. He wants us to continue with the spiritual growth. And it says, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart in as much as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace for God is my witness. How greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And I, this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Your love may abound in more knowledge and discernment. The more we know God, the more we see his righteousness, we see what's right and wrong. This is, this is a knowledge and discernment. This isn't dying in darkness and being all blind. This is really an unblindness. This is seeing God and seeing and understanding more and more so we can we can, our love can abound because the more we see God and the more we seek him, the more we're like him. That's where we abound. It says that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. There's kind of that pruning, you know, you're looking at the things that are excellent. You're striving for that and you're, and you're without offense. You're, you're getting rid of those things. You're pruning out those kind of things being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So I think this, this is what is happening to a seed when it goes into the ground. A good seed starts to germinate, and that's the process that God wants to have for us. 
Now let's get into the the memory text and what does this really mean and how do we die like Christ? And this this lesson study is in the crucible with Christ. So let's take this memory text, John 12, 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Now let's just start back in verse 20. So John 12, starting in verse 20, it says, now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. And notice these Greeks are coming to worship at the feast with the Jews. And these are the feasts. These are those holy feast days that were that are talked about in the Bible. And they're keeping them at this time. And they also kept them after Jesus was crucified. But this is right before Jesus was going to be crucified. And it says, Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. And then he says, He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. So here's the answer here. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Jesus knows that he's soon to be put to death. And he knows the impact that that's going to have. Is It's not just the martyrdom, but it's also that he's going to be now able to sit as the high priest acting as a whole as a high priest on behalf of all of us so he sees both of these things and he understands both of these so he's looking for this and he's seeing his trials here on this earth and being crucified in the light of this greater purpose this greater cause the martyrdom is going to cause others to follow him and his priestly service is going to cause all of us to have a chance of eternal life to have that atonement so he's seeing the great fruit that's going to come from it and that's i think giving him some comfort in what he's going to have to endure so that's what he's saying he love his life will lose it but he who hates his life in this world it doesn't mean you hate your life it doesn't mean but you hate it in this world you see yourself as from another planet. You see yourself as from that heavenly kingdom, which is where we are. We're sons and daughters of God. That's where we came from. And that's where we should have our destination. We shouldn't feel comfortable in this world. We shouldn't com- feel comfortable for this with this life because it's not friendly to those who follow God. In fact, look at some of these martyrs. Look at Stephen. I'm reading in Acts 6, starting in verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, the Cyrenians, the Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, and they disputed with Stephen, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Then they secretly induced men to say, so they saw that he had the spirit, but their mind was against the spirit. So this is what they said. They secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And so they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. 
Then they also set a false witnesses who said, this man does not seek to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs with Moses delivered to us. So therefore, I guess Stephen must be speaking blasphemy. And then in Acts 6, 15, it says, And all who sat in the council looking steadfastly at him saw his face as a face of an angel. So here Stephen's there, and they're just accusing him. They're falsely accusing him. And he's just being filled with the glory of God, strengthened by his strength. And then later on, we know that they stoned him. And it says in Acts 7, 59, And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So this is, this is martyrdom, and this is the world not, not liking them. You know, Paul, he was the one that, you know, when it says, and when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. So Paul acknowledges his role in Stephen's death. And later on, when he's put into prison and there's conspiracies against him, he's like, he's, he's realizing that as he's calling out to God. Acts 23, 21 says, but do not yield to them for more than 40 of them lie in wait for them. Men who have bound themselves by an oath that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed them. This is Paul. They had conspiracies against him. And now they are ready, waiting for the promise from you. So they're forming conspiracies against Paul. They were putting him in prison. They were doing all kinds of things. So, you know, here he's enduring this. What is he going to do? What what lengths is he going to go to for God's kingdom and for being a witness? You see what he was willing to do before he was converted. He was doing a lot. He was He was overseeing these people getting put to death. And now he's on the receiving end of it. And what is he able to endure? You know, Elijah was the same thing. You know, he's trying to bring messages to God, to the people, and to convict many. And yet Jezebel was after him. She she executed all the prophets, I mean, before him. She didn't execute all of them, we find out, but but she wanted to. And then afterwards, when she said, a messenger to Elijah said, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as a life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And she's talking about the prophets that Elijah had ex- executed with the sword. And before that, it says, while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them 50 to a cave and had fed them with bread and water. So she massacred a lot of these prophets that Obadiah had saved. Some of them hid him in a cave. So you know, this this is real martyrdom going on. The, the world does not like God and his message. And there is an enemy out there. You know, Luke 21, 17 says, and you will be hated for all my name's sake. And then you go on just the next verse. It says, but not a hair of your head shall be lost. By your patience, possess your souls. So we see that. And you will be hated for all my name's sake, but not a hair of your head shall be lost. Well, how does that how does that equate with these prophets that are losing their life? And just before that, Luke 21, 16 says, you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. So it's not saying that a hair of your head is not going to be lost because, because you're not going to die here on this planet. When it says not a hair of your head shall be lost, that is a spiritual hair. Not, you will not be diminished one bit. God is going to maximize you to your fullest and you are not going to lose any part of you. So 
this is what this dying is talking about. It's not talking about losing part of ourselves. It's talking about pruning things that were not supposed to be there to begin with so that God can maximize it and that there's going to be a greater reward. This world is not it. We can't be living. You know, there's when you think that this world is it, what are you going to do to maximize your happiness here? Are you going to cheat? Are you going to kill? Are you going to put other people down so that you can maximize your wealth and maximize your happiness? What are you going to do in this world? And so I think that's why it's so dangerous to have this prideful idea that we have to have everything in this world and we have to be happy. That's not the mindset of God's people that are headed for his kingdom. They're the opposite. They're thinking God's kingdom and the truth, that we need to stand by that truth no matter what it takes. John 17, starting at verse 11, says, Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. This is, this is Jesus talking afterwards. And I come to you, Holy Spot, Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. And we know what that one means. It doesn't mean we're all just this, this same homogenous monotone color. We're each unique individuals aligned with a cause and part of God's garden. I like to call it that. We each have a role to play or we're part of his orchestra. You know, everybody, the, all the instruments are different. You know, you might have some instruments that kind of work together, like all the stringed instruments. Then you'll have some, you'll have a piccolo that's just kind of on its own playing above the orchestra a lot of the time, but it's all forming that music. It's all part of that bigger picture. And it's all working together for that bigger cause. So let me read that again. Now I'm no longer in this world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them, keep through your name, those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them. That's what he wants to do to us. Sanctify us. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into this world, I also have sent them into the world. We need to be willing to be strong for God. We need to have this picture of this heavenly destination. And we have to think of our princely roots and be assured of that atonement that Christ is going to bring to us. So thinking of us as just these sinful beings that just have to die and, you know, we just have to cut everything of ourselves out of us. I don't think that's helpful because really what we are is we're created holy beings, each with our unique personality. And yeah, some personalities like Peter, it got him into trouble sometimes. He was very zealous. And Paul too, they were very zealous people. But you know what? That zeal was able to be channeled and work for God. That's what he wants to do with each of us. Some of us are more adventurous than others. And some of us are more conservative and restrained and, and cautious. And that he can use that too. He uses everything. He uses these traits. Sometimes we think of traits as being bad or good or something. They're not. They're all bad if we 
don't align them with God's purpose. And they're all good if we are aligned with him and let him lead us and let him perfect that character in us. And so I hope when we see this idea of dying like a seed, that it's not really dying. Seeds are not dying. They're living. When they get soaked in that water and they get that moisture, they start germinating. And I hope that all of us will be like that. We'll start germinating and we'll shed that skin. And if there's any bacteria on the surface, it won't eat us up. The, the seed that truly dies is going to be eaten up by all the bacteria that's in the soil and the insects and everything. But that seed that's living, it's going to shed all that. And that's what God wants to do. He wants us to shed all the bad that's around us so that he can perfect the person that he made us to be, the unique person that he made each one of us to be. And so I hope in that sense, we will die like a seed. And also keep in mind that we are not destined for this life. It's not going to be happy. There's going to be sad things that happen to all of us. And eventually we'll die if, if God doesn't come before that. So it's not a pleasant sight, but we have a a bigger destination and we can still be fruitful for God and for his kingdom if we let him use us. So I hope we can be like, like soldiers. Soldiers are willing to give up their life for a bigger cause. They go out on that battlefield. They don't want to die. Of course they don't want to die. Did Stephen want to die? No. Did Jesus want to die? No. They don't want to die, but they have that bigger picture. They can die with the assurance that God is going to use even their death for his kingdom. And that's the mindset that we have to have. And I hope that we'll all have that mindset. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Sabbath School Gems. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, give us a rating, and spread the word to others. Comments and questions can be sent to us at sabbathschoolgems at gmail.com. Bye for now.